Right, happy uh, 25th, everybody. Good to see you here. Welcome, welcome to River Glen. Everybody in Pewaukee and online and here in Waukesha, thanks so much for, for joining us uh, today. River Glen started holding public services in March of 1997, and so we turned uh, 25 this uh, month, and we're going to celebrate uh, that today. Uh, question for you, how good is your memory? You guys have good memories? Well, I'm going to test you. Let's go back to 1997, and let's see what you can uh, remember. Uh, how about this one? What was the top movie in uh, 19... Uh, 97. Anybody want to take a guess on that? Oh, check it out. Here it is. Titanic. All three hours of it. Yeah. How about this one? What was the top TV show in 1997? I think I heard it. I think some people got it right. Seinfeld. Very good. Very good. Uh, this next one, this hurts a little bit. What was the average price of gas in 1997? Any guesses? Oh, close, close. Right on. Yeah, that'd be good, wouldn't it? And what was the most popular cell phone in 1997? Well, here it is. Here it is. It's an Nokia 9000 right here. This is, it, it opens up. Here it is closed. Here it is open. It's got a keyboard. Uh, weighed almost a pound. And that is the first uh, smartphone uh, ever. I don't really remember uh, that phone at all. And uh, something I learned about our memories as I prepared for this message is that our memories are really not that uh, ter terrific. They're really not that uh, great, according to uh, research. And if you want to fact check me on this, you can Google flashbulb studies. Researchers do these flashbulb studies after a major event, and they ask people, where were you, who were you with, and what were you doing uh, when that event happened? The most famous flashbulb study was after 9-11. They interviewed over 3,000 people and asked them, what were you doing, where were you, who were you with on 9-11? So let me ask you that. What about you? Remember where you were, if you're old enough, uh, who, who you were with, what you were doing on 9-11? And how confident are you on a scale of 0 to 100? I mean, I think most of you would say, you know, I can guarantee you that I remember you know, where I was, who I was with, and what I was doing on 9-11. But according to research, you might be wrong. You're probably wrong. Researchers interviewed 3,245 people right after 9-11. They interviewed them again a year later and then three years later. And then 10 years later, they asked them these simple questions, had them write down their answers. A year later when they interviewed these people, they, they saw discrepancies between year one and right after the event. By year 10, get this, a full 60% of the details, 60% of the details had, had changed. Now, some were minor changes, but for the majority of people, their memories uh, morphed and changed. Our memories are just not as, as great as we probably uh, think. Now, you can, you can improve your memory, uh, which is good uh, news. But I think one reason why our memories have, have gotten worse is because of technology. As technology, as we've modernized technology, we use our memories less. You know, as Siri gets smarter, I tend to get dumber. Uh, for example, uh, how, many phone, how many phone numbers uh, do you have memorized? I mean, I used to have lots of phone numbers memorized. Now I can only remember two numbers, my wife and the church's uh, number. I used to be really good with directions. But now I use Google Maps. 
And I just go, you know, where the, where the little woman in my phone tells me uh, to go. Our memories are just not that uh, great. But here's what concerns me as a pastor. Our memories have gotten worse when it comes to the faithfulness of God. Here's what happens. God is, is faithful uh, with us. In our, in our families, faithful uh, with our children, faithful with our health, faithful with our careers and our finances. But then something goes wrong. Maybe you get, maybe, maybe something difficult happens in your life. Maybe you get diagnosed with, an, with a disease. Maybe your marriage falls apart. Maybe you lose contact with one of your kids. Maybe your business goes under. And when that happens, it's easy to forget the faithfulness of God. That's why in the Old Testament of the Bible, 37 times the scripture commands the nation of Israel to remember the goodness of God, to remember the faithfulness of God because they kept forgetting. Moses leads the people, the nation of Israel, right up to the entrance to the promised land. And after a 40-year journey, and he speaks words to the nation of Israel that I think apply to us today as we celebrate 25 years of River Glen. Take a look at what Moses tells the people. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years. Moses tells the people, don't ever think that you got here by yourself. It's by the hand and the power of God. God sent plagues that led to your release out of Egypt. God parted the Red Sea. God led you by a, by a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. God sent manna from heaven to feed you. Moses tells the people, don't you dare forget about God. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for 40 years. And so today as we celebrate 25 years of River Glen, you know what? This is a great opportunity for us to pause and remember God's faithfulness so that we honor him for what he's done and gain confidence as we move into the future. Somebody said, if you uh, see a turtle sitting on top of a fence post, uh, you know it didn't get there by itself, right? I mean, somebody had to put it there. And today, I want us to remember, we didn't do this by ourselves, okay? We're not this good. God did it. Now, I realize some of you, probably many of you, uh, have never heard the story before of how River Glen started and grew. And even if you have uh, heard it, uh, we all need reminding of God's faithfulness. So I want to share some examples uh, from the last 25 years of River Glen to remind us of God's faithfulness. Uh, back in uh, May, of, May of 1996, my wife and I, Marnie and I, we had two kids uh, at that point. We moved up here from Kentucky to start a new church. And uh, we didn't have a building or people or uh, any kind of location. We just had a dream and a belief that God called us to start a new church to make more and better followers of uh, Jesus. But I struggled. I struggled with fear and worry. You know, I worried, you know, what if we move up to Wisconsin and to start a church and it doesn't work? You know, not every new church makes it. Uh, what if nobody uh, comes? I struggled with worry. But I discovered a verse that kind of became a founding verse for the church that really encouraged me and helped me to calm down. Here it is. It's in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, Jesus said these words, I will build my church. Because there's a temptation when you start a church or even when you volunteer in a church to feel this enormous pressure 
Like it's all on you, you know, to, 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 to build the church and grow the church. But Jesus says, no, 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 that's not your job. That's my job. I will build, I will build my church. It, and it's not, the, it's not the buildings. It's not the music. It's not the preaching. It's not the marketing. Jesus says, I will build it. That's my job. And notice, he doesn't say, I might build my church. You know, we'll see. Maybe. No. He promises, I will build my church. And so that verse really encouraged me, uh, which I needed because it was tough. It, it, was, it was tougher than I expected. All the books I read and training I received said, you need to gather at least 50 people, you know, in your launch team before you start holding public services. And I try my best, I mean, to persuade people after we moved up here to help me, to help us to plant the church. I would meet with people and they would ask questions like, well, do you have a building? No. Do you have any property? No. Do you have a youth ministry for our teenager? No. We just have a dream to start a new church to make more and better followers of Jesus. So I ended up with a really small uh, launch team. Here's a picture. We gathered together about 10 years uh, later for a picture. But I'm telling you, this small launch team, man, they went all in. We started meeting in our living room in November of 1996. We prayed together and strategized. We asked God for help. They committed to God and the mission. They went door to door in the snow, I mean, telling people about the church, handing out uh, information. We rented the uh, auditorium at Waukesha West High School, and we uh, had our grand opening on March 2nd, 1997. I'm curious, anybody, show of hands, anybody, were any of you at that service? I know it was a long time ago, 25 years ago, a few hands. Yeah, 25 uh, years ago, we had our, our grand opening, and... Uh, I can still remember that day. It was like a, a miracle. Over 700 people came uh, to the grand opening, way more than we expected. People filled the auditorium. We had people sitting in the aisles. We had people standing in the back. I'm sure we violated the fire code. We had so many babies in the nursery. We had guests in the uh, auditorium from Kentucky and Indiana who gave up their seats and just went and held babies in the uh, nursery. I can't explain that turnout, other than Jesus keeping his promise to build the church. So the church got off to a strong start. We leveled off at about 300 people, and God moved people to take steps of faith. We uh, rented the swimming pool at uh, Waukesha West High School, and we would have baptism services uh, in there. And we saw something I'd never seen before. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts, it talks about entire families, entire households, coming to faith in, in Jesus and getting baptized. And we saw families, I mean, mom, dad, the kids, uh, husbands and wives holding hands and getting in the swimming pool and getting baptized. I mean, God moved people uh, to give their life uh, to Jesus. We grew to three services on Sunday mornings at the high school. The school allowed us to continue to rent space, which was just an enormous uh, blessing. But they saw our growth, and they told us this is temporary, and, you know, you guys need to uh, develop a plan to get your own building. So we started looking for land. 
we found 30 acres of land on Highway 164. And they accepted our offer with contingencies. Everybody in the church felt so excited about this new property. We worked on this deal for 12 months, designing the building with architects, meeting with the plan commission, conducting a, a traffic uh, study. But after 12 months, the town uh, unanimously voted no. And the deal fell through, which felt devastating, heartbreaking. I mean, this was a low point uh, for me. And we didn't have a plan uh, B. But God came through. And a couple months later, I got a phone call one night from Patty Kennedy. Patty still attends the church. She saw uh, the for sale sign go up on this property. She called, wanted to make sure we knew about it. I'm glad she called. We, we didn't know. And we purchased uh, this 40-acre property uh, for less money uh, than the 30 acres that we tried to pur purchase. God opened a better door for us and showed his faithfulness. And because of the generosity of the people, we were able to buy this property with cash. I mean, people started, had started giving above their normal uh, giving so that we could buy uh, land. And it forged a heart of generosity in this church that continues to this day. So we moved into this uh, location, this building in 2004. And uh, we held services in the uh, old auditorium, what we now call the uh, student uh, center. And the church continued to reach more people and grow. From day one, we said we want to be a church planting church. And so in 2006, we sent 50 people from our church with Pastor Mark White to start the Ridge Community Church over in New Berlin. And today the Ridge is about the same size as River Glen and they're making just a huge impact in the Milwaukee uh, area. We've helped start 10 more new churches locally and globally and watch Jesus continue to build uh, the church. Number 12 uh, launches in May in Milwaukee. I have to tell you about one of our favorite memories. I have people help me with this list and this next one was on everybody's uh, List. When we met in the old auditorium in October 2010, we decided to do baptism, baptisms in the services. We had never done this uh, be before. And um, we decided just to open it up to anyone who wanted to get baptized. But I remember worrying, you know, what if nobody responds? I mean, hardly anybody had signed up. But God moved in a big way. And we baptized 109 people in one uh, weekend. And uh, our services, one of our services ran over like 30 minutes because there were so many people getting baptized. People lined up and they got baptized, some people in their clothes. The water, I remember the water in the baptistry got dark, not because of sin. It was because <laughs> people had uh, blue jeans on in the uh, water. We ran out of towels. I remember between services, some people who lived nearby ran home and got more towels for us after about... I don't know, 30, 40 baptisms, my arms started getting tired. I was struggling to lift people up, lift people out. And uh, a relief pitcher came in and replaced me. But what a good problem uh, to have. God moved in our church that weekend. I mean, you could feel his presence. It was all God. We moved into this auditorium in, in 2013. And, and God uh, continues uh, to reach more people. And grow the, grow the church. Uh, fast forward to 2018, we had decided to start a new campus in Pewaukee. Dave Cool uh, joined our staff to lead the new campus. Uh, we wanted to send 
uh, we were hoping to send 200 people with Dave. But I worry, we worried if, if anybody would go with Dave, if enough people would go with Dave. So we challenged everybody uh, to pray and fill out a card if you're willing to make a one-year commitment to go with Dave and start the new location in uh, Pewaukee. And almost 400 people uh, responded and joined the launch team uh, to start Pewaukee. And so we stopped worrying about Pewaukee and we started worrying about Waukesha. You know, is anybody going to stay here? Pewaukee got off to a really strong start. And God brought new people to Waukesha. That was God building his church. And, of course, we've seen God's faithfulness, haven't we, the last two years during the pandemic? I'm just amazed at your uh, generosity and support and how the church has actually grown during the pandemic. Watching people, uh, watching God reach new people, too, through online technology. I mean, I could go on and on. My point is, we need to celebrate what God has, has done. I mean, we've made mistakes along the way. Uh, we haven't gotten everything right. We're not a great church, but we serve a great God. And remembering God's faithfulness, it gives us confidence that he's going to continue to build the church. And he's going to continue to build our lives and our families and our friendships into the future. I want to show you the rest of this founding verse from Matthew chapter 16. Uh, Jesus said, I'll build my church. Look at this. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You know, I wonder what picture comes into your mind uh, when you hear uh, the rest of that verse. I'll tell you what picture uh, used to come into my mind when I would hear that verse. I pictured the church like, you know, down here. And the gates of hell just banging on the church. As, as people, you know, in the world attack and, and criticize and mock, you know, the church and Jesus and, and the Bible. But the church will survive. I don't know if you uh, have noticed this, but it's, it's become trendy to criticize uh, the American church on social media. Uh, people will say things like, you know, I like Jesus, but not the church. People will make negative statements about the American church, the evangelical church. And uh, mega churches, as if every church is the same. And I can understand some criticism because churches are made up of imperfect people. And so you're always going to be able to find fault with it. But even with its faults, according to scripture, Jesus loves the church. Jesus died for the church. Scripture refers to the church as the bride of Christ. Imagine if I came up to you and I said, you know what, I like you, but I don't like your, I don't like your bride. <laughs> That's probably not going to go over uh, real well, is it? Jesus loves his bride, the church, and he's continuing. He's on a mission to continue to build the church. And he wants you and I to join uh, with him because the church is the hope of the world. Not the buildings. It's the people of the church who call on Jesus. The local church is really the hope of the world. I love to hear uh, people share stories about how God has changed their life through the local church. And God has brought hope and change to many people uh, who call River Glen their church home. And I want you to hear from uh, one of them. Uh, I want you to hear from one of our families. Take a look. I'm Janelle Olson. This is my husband, Steve. And we've been coming to River Glen since 2005. I was raised Catholic. 
Um, I, you know, we had the rituals and we did what we did as being raised Catholic, but here you walk in and you, it, to me, I just, I, I just get filled with so much every time I come. And I feel having my small group has just been, has been amazing for me. It's just, it's a great group of ladies and they all can relate and they all can help through things. And it's just really neat to see the connections you make with other people. And I know you even more with meeting new people. You know, for me, I, I always had a belief in God, um, but I didn't really have a relationship with him. We were, we were attending here, I think, when I kind of developed that piece. And, you know, as this church has grown over the last two and a half decades, it, God's just opened up more opportunities for us to serve. We're stepping outside of these, these doors and we're, we're reaching people in our community. We're reaching people in the world that need to know the love of Jesus. To, and and we're, we're, as a church, we're able to be his hands and feet. I think the biggest takeaway for, for us is that, you know, we're, we're able to be a part of that. One of the, th the cool things that um, we saw happen with the staff here, Morgan asking Eliana and her friend November to kind of be part of an internship where he would teach them about what it takes to be a worship leader. All three of our older kids have served on the worship team. Um, our son Jack has, has played drums here. Eliana is leading on weekends and Audrey is singing at Unite and at Edge. That was really our intention all along, was to find a church home, and that's what we found here at River Glen. And I think just their, their giving hearts, their, you know, they're the reason, really, they're the reason that we chose to adapt. It was a pretty, pretty amazing journey, you know, to, to get Ruby and to bring her home. And now that she's here, you know, we have the chance to share the love of Jesus with her for us, that's, we can see that, that light, you know, in her little head, that, that same light that our other kids uh, found here. Uh, she's going to be able to, to uh, find it here and she's going to be able to grow in, in that faith and in that love. Let's give Steve and Janelle and their family a hand. I love that story. I want you to love hearing stories about how God just changes the lives of people through the local church. The local church is the hope of the world. It's the hope for marriages that need healing. It's the hope for parents who want kids to know right and wrong. It's the hope for college students who feel like their faith is under attack. It's the hope for addicts who want to be set free. It's the hope for people whose lives need direction and, and purpose. The church is the hope of the world. That's why Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I used to think that verse meant that, you know, we're going we're gonna to survive, you know, we're going to hold up under the attacks and criticism. Uh, the gates of hell, you know, will, will not prevail. But look again at this verse because um, a gate is not an uh, offensive weapon. No. It's something that you set up to keep people out. A gate is a defensive weapon. In other words, the church is not on the defensive. The church is on the offensive. Jesus tells the church to attack 
the gates of hell. To storm the gates of hell. And the gates of hell will not uh, prevail. It's interesting, in, in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus spoke these words, uh, there was no church. Nobody knew what the church uh, was. Uh, this is the first time Jesus mentions church. In the, in the New Testament, people were like, you know, what's the church? It'd be like uh, Jeff Bezos uh, before Amazon started saying, you know, in 10 years, um, you know, everybody's going to be ordering stuff online on Amazon. People would be like, you know, what? But today, 2.6 billion Christians worldwide make up the church. The church has exploded with growth all around the world because Jesus promised I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Clearly, Jesus tells us not to shrink back, not to hide in buildings, in holy huddles, retreating from the evil of the world. No, he says, I want the church to storm the gates of hell. You know, you want to know what my biggest fear is uh, for the future of a River Glen church? Uh, it's, not, it's not the world or the evil, you know, in the world. Jesus promised that uh, the opposition is not going to defeat uh, the church. The church, gonna, church is going to survive. It's going to thrive and prevail. And my biggest fear is not finances or volunteers. I mean, you've always stepped up and, and uh, served needs. And this church has always given generously. And I'm confident that will continue in the future. Here's my biggest uh, fear is that we forget God's faithfulness. We forget what God has done and we grow complacent. I mean, sometimes as churches age and get older and their memory uh, fades, they start playing it safe and they start playing more defense than offense. But instead of just growing older, what if we become more mature? How about if we do more in the future because we have more? How about if we keep our passion burning as hot as when we started 25 years ago? How about if we make the next 25 years the best 25 years and storm the gates of hell even more? I mean, think about how we started River Glen with that small launch team of just 15 people. And look at what God has done. Imagine if all of you became the new launch team for the next 25 years. Imagine what God could do. Imagine how many new people that we could reach. Imagine how many new locations we could start. Imagine how many lives would be forever uh, changed. Uh, not because we're great. No, because we serve a great God who promises, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I want to challenge everybody to go all in and do something that we call the three C's. Here, 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 here's what they are. The first C is to celebrate with us every weekend. Make it a priority in your schedule to join us. These weekend gatherings help us remember and celebrate God's faithfulness. Uh, many of the songs that we sing and, and the teachings declare and proclaim God's faithfulness and all of us need these gatherings so that we don't forget God's faithfulness. Here's a second C, and that is to connect in a group. We need a smaller group of people to meet with regularly to rem remind us of God's faithfulness. We need other people. Our memories are not great. We need other people to correct our memories. Uh, Marnie and I are in a life group, and um, last week we met, and one of the group members shared 
this person said that they almost didn't come because they were having a really bad day, having a really uh, bad week, but they came anyway. And at the end of the meeting, this person said, I feel so much, I feel so much uh, better. I feel so much better. All of us need other people to encourage us and pray with us and for us and remind us of God's faithfulness. And then third is contribute. Join a volunteer team to build the church and storm the gates of hell. We need everybody helping and serving and inviting. I'm telling you, right now is the best time in history to be, a, to be alive as, as a Christian. I mean, I mean this, there are more people right now on this planet that need Jesus than any other time in uh, history. And people are hungry right now. People are searching spiritually. All of our new attender numbers are, are up. I mean, we're seeing large numbers of new uh, attenders. And uh, next week, we begin a new series called uh, Prodigal. It's going to be a high-impact series for all of us. be a great series to invite somebody uh, to come with you who needs Jesus. Who could you invite? It might change their life. And then we're going to do baptisms on Easter weekend coming up April 16th and 17th. People have already started signing up. We'd love to include you in baptism. We declare our trust, our faith in God's uh, faithfulness. And something else that we do every weekend to help us remember uh, God's faithfulness is uh, we share communion. And uh, we're going to do that today a little differently. We're going to share it together across all of our locations. We've got communion available on the tables in the back of our rooms. You're free to go and, and grab those. If you're watching online, uh, you can grab your own elements, bread, juice, whatever solid or liquid uh, you have available and join us. Uh, sometimes this is called uh, the Lord's Supper because Jesus shared this at the Last Supper with his disciples. It's also called communion uh, because we share it together in communion. And then sometimes it's referred to as the Eucharist. Anybody heard that before? I know that sounds like a fancy word. But it's, it's just a Greek word that means give thanks. And I know I have so much to be thankful uh, for uh, today. I'm thankful for uh, God's faithfulness. I'm thankful for what God has done in this church the last 25 years, changing lives. I'm thankful uh, for the privilege that he has allowed me to serve in this church. I'm thankful for our staff, our elders who provide just excellent leadership. I'm thankful for uh, hundreds of you who volunteer, uh, much of it behind the scenes, uh, to serve needs. I'm thankful for each and every one of you joining us today. And I'm thankful for, for Jesus who gave his life uh, for us and for the, the church. Jesus said, this is my uh, body and, and blood. And so... Uh, you can peel back that top layer. And let's take the uh, bread here that represents Christ's body. And let's eat together. And then you can peel back the next layer. And let's take the juice that represents Christ's blood. And let's drink together. thankful that we get to share this together as a church family. I'm going to pray uh, for us and then we have a couple songs that uh, we want to share, that we want to just sing uh, to honor God 
and help us uh, remember and declare his faithfulness. Let me pray for us. Oh, God, we, uh, we thank you with hearts uh, filled with gratitude for, for your faithfulness, your goodness, your grace. God, you've been so good to us. We acknowledge that everything good that's happened in this church, that's happened uh, through this church, that is connected to this church, it, it all comes from you. And we want to honor you and express our, our worship uh, to you. And God, we, we don't just look back. God, we look forward uh, to what you'll do in the future. And we ask for your continued uh, favor. God, we promise our commitment as you move us forward to make an even bigger impact for Jesus in the next 25 years. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.